We live in a fast-paced world where many people are too busy to sit down and read books or news articles. But thanks to Newsly, you can now listen to the news you wish you had the time to read. By utilizing AI technology, a natural human voice reads you the news, helping you grasp the information faster and more efficiently. Newsly provides the latest news updates 24-7, letting you browse articles from topics you choose. It even has podcasts, including ours. And listeners of Rabbit Holes can get their first 30 days of premium for free, allowing you to enjoy an ad-free experience by using the special promo code in our episode description. So download Newsly today for free on iOS and Android or visit www.newsly.me so you can stay updated on the things that matter to you. Everything imaginable here at Rabbit Holes. With me, as always, is the lovely Miss Sarah Rodriguez. Say hi, Sarah. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back. How's your week been? You know, it's been good. I've had a good, productive week. Um, got caught up in a new show that I wanted to tell you and everybody else about on Netflix. Ooh, and yeah. yeah, everything's going great, cruising. And yeah, how about you? How was your week? Oh, not too bad. A little, a little hectic, a little crazy. It turned out that like after I, I activated my new domain for my website, that all my, my emails disappeared for like thirty days. So now I have to like figure out who might have sent me an email, figure out which emails at what point I sent fell into the black hole void, and I have to go back and rewrite brand new emails to send people and then slip in the old emails. One of them, yeah. I've been looking, I have a bunch of emails that said it didn't go through from you, and I was like, "Hmm, I wonder what this is all about. And now, now I know. Yep, the more you know. Yeah, so, uh, uh, you know, for you kids out there that are a little more technical and you're trying to run your whole hustle yourself, uh, if you're ever trying to set up a new domain and you already have email hosting somewhere else, make sure to connect the two or else there is a delivery conflict in the mail yeah. system. The more you know. All right. Well, before we go down the rabbit hole of fun, let's talk about what's going on 
in the news. And let's talk about, well, specifically, you know what? Let's put aside the world at war. Let's put aside most of raising gas prices. Let's put aside all the crazy of the mainland. And let's try to focus on Hawaii because, you know what? Yeah, we've had we've had people of Hawaii on the show. And, uh, you know, we, we, we're talking about the cool stuff. Uh, later in this episode, we will have a great interview with... Uh, one of the best people to become a a, a local asset, uh, Mr. Mike Latronic. So stay tuned for that. Oh, gonna be good. Gonna be good. Gonna and be good. Uh, so yeah. So um, while uh, while you know while Zelensky was busy uh, you know staring at the wolf at the gate, and uh, the world was getting angry and angrier about all the crazy <laughs> things, all the the convoys and the hackers, and you know all the stuff we've been talking for the past couple of weeks. Um, yeah kind of been going crazy back here in Hawaii. So it uh, turns out yeah. uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, just before the end of February, uh, house a house collapsed onto the beach on the North Shore because the surf is high. Like So um statement from city officials said, uh, shoreline hazards due to coastal erosion exist fronting monster mush surf spot between Rocky Point and Sunset Beach. Unstable structures have been shifting, resulting in debris on the beach and near shore waters. Ocean safety recommends using extreme caution or avoiding this area. Personally, I wow. say exercise extreme caution by not putting crazy houses on stilts on the edge of the shore. I mean, um, for real, I know. I saw the segment, and they did say that, like, what was it was originally like the shoreline was like twenty yards out or something like that when the houses were built, or even further. But hello, there's a thing called global warming. Going yeah. On. Well, I mean. In their in their defense on that part, I say the house looked old enough, but I will say that you know what, like growing up in paradise, both in Hawaii and in California, and watching like shoreline shoreline houses go up, I always mm-hmm. looked at that as crazy. Like, yeah, I mean it's cool to be able to see the beach from your house, but quite frankly, I feel that that's a waste to the whole community accessing it, the ecosystem. Like I'm, I, I am, I'm hill people. All right. I like living well, up country. Yourself I, getting screwed over later in the future when it starts eroding at your house. Yeah. So why would you think? I mean, obviously this is going on. It's happening. We know it's happening. So why would you choose to put a house so so close to the shore? Yeah, but even for houses that predate like the idea of people like considering global warming and shore erosion Mm -hmm. you know i mean mind you like these last 10 years have been eye-opening because people are finally starting to see like erosion charts you know youtube is unlocking their mind for this this. yeah i mean so that's the thing is like a lot of these houses exist before it was a topic back back when people even even more hippy dippy type of ecologically friendly people like yeah that's a crazy idea Cow farts ruining the atmosphere. No, we got to get rid of these chlorofluorocarbons. And it's like, yeah, bro, we got to get rid of all of them, though. Yeah, that it's pretty crazy. And did you see that basically the state has kind of put their arms up and they're like, hey, uh, this is a public beach, so we can't put up walls or anything. So you're kind of on your own. Yeah, but the state, the state passes the buck anytime it can. I mean... Look at the the circus that it is there at the Capitol and and I mean in most of the counties. I mean, bless the hearts of the people that are trying. I mean, we're lucky in so, in some cases when it comes to like the state of the city council and the mayor's office in Maui. But then like, you know, you go into a bigger city, you know, you're on Oahu, you're in Honolulu, you're in Waikiki, like you did it with shit like that. And that's mm-hmm. like you got 
you got more people talking in a room to try to solve one problem that probably could be solved by one problem. So like it, it's, it, it's, I think that that's kind of the part that put, makes the stressors hard enough on the people of Hawaii is that like way of life is different enough between each Island and then way of getting business done is different enough between each of its people that when mm-hmm. the whole state has to come together, they just they're just like oh bro i don't like try anymore enough already and they're just like hands up like you know it's like (laughs) we don't know what the right answer is (laughs) yeah no so there's a lot of just like you know what if we just sweep this under a rug nobody will see it it's like bro you can't sweep a whole house under a rug right there's a lot of houses on that on that strip right there yeah and and Half of them look like they could probably stand another, like, you know, five yards of erosion before it becomes a critical issue. But then at the same mm-hmm. time is, like, how many new development setups are starting? I mean, shit, they're trying to, like, take over the rest of that chunk between Wailea and McKenna on Maui, you know? Oh, yeah. And then you've yeah. also got, like, any upcountry. There's homestead land that's even they're trying to take away and turn back into non-homestead land. If it, yeah. No, there's a lot of... How could they even do that? Well, see, what happens is is they create these little backdoor policies that open up temporary contracts. And so, you know what? Let's just get into the next subject so we can talk about that, actually. Because here's a huge... Yeah, so forget about houses falling into the ocean. Actually, you know what? Disney, if you're listening, that's the sequel to Up. I'm going to call it Float. And a guy <laughs> detaches his house from the shore of an island and he floats out to sea. Float. I watched that. Copyright. Kavika Hope. There we go, Disney. Give me a call. Cha-ching. We got, that's the <laughs> sequel right there. But no, so we're going to float ourselves back home to Maui, and we're going to talk about – here's. so here's the crazy thing. So okay. as we know, and the rest of the world may not know, um, there's a lot of issue with getting a hold of water in Hawaii. Uh, and in particular, on Maui, we see a lot of these issues as water that once freely rushed down the mountain – all the way to the sea for usage is now diverted to other places and people, you know? So you got like A and B who just loves to buy anything that's connected to water rides. Not many people know that they like, they own like, I mean, last I checked when I, there was this hip documentary I was working with, uh, it was like 90% of the Island, you know? And then, and then they sold, they sold part of that 90% to Monsanto, so, like, I mean, Uh-oh. even if that number is lower than 90% now, part of that 90% went to somebody else that we don't want to have it. So, there's been these, what they call revocable contracts, which means temporary contracts that they drum up. And they go, okay, right, is a deal. You're not supposed to have that water. And it's supposed to go to the people. It's supposed to go to the farmers. But, look, you cut us one chain, right? We're going to cut one channel for you. And that's what they do. They turn around and they they make these little backdoor deals and they create legislation that says, oh, we can do this. Which actually brings me, you know. It's a loophole, but just for a certain amount of time. Oh, yeah. No, you you want it. Uh, Yeah. So so there's the case of the the water in Maui. So, like, Uh you've got, like, half of that is just sucked away by A and B. Uh, the other half is divvied between a couple other small investment bidders that have been scooping up acreage day by day. Some of them are even major pieces of the community that like, you know, at one side you're like, wow, these are people who provide for our community, but then they're short-sighted enough to think that they can take the water 
from the rest of the community. And I mean, it's hard enough going on. Right, I mean, I feel for all our cousins and fam on Oahu that just had to deal with Red Hill mm-hmm. because this is, I mean, this is a growing issue. Access to water on a chain of islands that produce their own water. I mean, we have natural aquifers, you know, that help produce clean, tasty, perfect pH balance, mm-hmm. alkaline for all your growing needs, water, sustenance of life, you know, and it's disregarded as a commodity now. Mm. So, yeah. luckily, the Supreme, the Hawaii State Supreme Court has ruled in favor of the East Maui Tower farmers and the Native Hawaiian practitioners. It said the state's issuance of revocable permits to divert millions of gallons of water per day from East Maui was not authorized under law, which is funny that they turn around. They say this is not authorized, even though they just yet, look. Oh, but yet authorized. They it. look the other way. They look the other it way. They would look the other way, and they let this legislation occur. And a lot of this happens because people get in there, and nobody's there to raise their hand and go, "Bruh, I don't like this." And that's really why I feel that these things need to be brought up on the show. You know, yeah. So these- these deals are being made not publicly, you know? No, they are. Like, That's not, oh, no, here's are. here's the craziest part is most of these deals are made publicly, known publicly, interactions in politics, interactions in, in, in daily community forums. There's opportunities. There are a lot of people that are sitting on the front lines fighting this, but mm-hmm. we need There's more. There's just not no, well, and it's not it's not a matter of enough. It's a matter of momentum. I think that there will be a tipping point soon. I think that, you know, the best we can do is to just continue to kakua for the cause. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's a lot of people out there that go, not my problem, bro. You know, same way that the state passes the buck, there are people that are just inundated with the hard part of the day, the hard part of their life. And they're like, I got a hard enough time trying to feed my kids. Why the hell would I want to try to feed the world? Why, you know, I got a hard enough time getting water for me. Why I got to worry about water for other people? You right. Know? Their battles. Don't yeah, we all? Yeah, exactly. Oh. So a lot of people pick their battles. But I got to say, you know what? Hey, bro, if you're listening, start picking a battle. Because there's no time like the present, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the evil men of this world only triumph when good men do nothing. Ain't that the truth? Exactly. If they're just going to keep on doing what they want to do. And I feel that, like, the world has fallen into, like, a deep-seated hole of creating too many supervillains and not enough superheroes. Mm -hmm. And we have this kind of imposter syndrome getting in the way on one side of potential superheroes. And then on Mm -hmm. the other side of potential superheroes, we have just the strain of daily life. Yeah. Like, whether or not they have clean water. Like, whether or not their house is going to wash away into the sea. Like, whether or not they got gas, you know? And then that's crazy. Like, talking about, like, temporary permits and things that the state will let happen just because when they look in the other way right now, gas. Look at what's going on with, with gas in the country and what's about to happen with gas in Hawaii. That the, <laughs> the, um, the Hawaiian legislator has just brought up a bill saying that they're going to try to Void pieces of the Jones Act to make sure that oil can get into Hawaii better. But that begs the bigger question to me, then why can't we just get rid of the damn thing? Well, yeah, exactly. If they can adjust it accordingly to benefit us at any point. Well, it's not to benefit us. It's to benefit big oil. 
because they okay. want to give they want to give Russia the finger. They want to tell Putin, "Oh, look, we do have a supply chain, but we kind of muddied up that supply chain by creating these egregious laws against the state of Hawaii and the Hawaiian people." And yeah. And so the Jones Act has complicated a lot of things. Like I personally know a guy who tried to start a food truck business, ordered a custom food truck from the east, and then when it arrived at the port at Honolulu, they're like, "Bop, not allowed." You either got to send them back or we got to blow them up. Why? Because they're not allowed to bring in items like that. And they, and they gave him like stupid excuses. They're like, oh, it's not made to state spec. And he's like, I actually talked to right people. And and this is made to spec. And I'm like, no, no, not going to happen anyways. And we, I told him, you know, when we when we talked about it, I was like, dude, you got to talk to like congressmen or state representatives, something, bro, something. Mm-hmm. And he called him and he was like, shoot, they told me. It's uh, it's kind of hard to fight city hall on that one, and so and then so there's a lot of small things like things to think about like you ever see a ninety nine cent store on Maui? No, no we got no, that Dollar Tree out near Lahaina, right? But no, right. you know why you can't get a ninety nine cent store or a five below? Why? There's two big reasons. All right, one, it's going to create unnecessary amounts of trash because you're going to have all these blow away cheap ass businesses. But then two, the Jones Act. Half of those things can ship to California and end up on a shelf in a 99 cent store, but half of those things can't ship in the Hawaii. You can't even buy like camera batteries in some cases. Like I feel like a drug mule when I have to take parts for equipment for a yes. movie. Oh, I hear, I've been trying to get like lights and stuff out here, but it, I can't get them out here because they have lithium in it. So there's many things. A little mini generator I tried to get out here. Couldn't. Never mind so, yeah. the fact that you can go to Costco and buy the Duracell lithium, like, you know, outdoor <laughs> picnic battery. Yeah, but no, but it's crazy out what they authorize. So they'll authorize that for Costco to bring in a shipment, but they won't <laughs> authorize it for you. To, yeah, so unless you... Order it, send it to your brother out in in the mainland. They unpackage it, repackage it into their crap, and hope they get on a flight when nobody no care. And then they get it to Hawaii like they were muling a fucking key of cocaine. Like seriously, it's but easier. Up in here, huh? We gotta smuggle that shit in. It's easier to get meth into the state than it is to get a battery for your camera. Wow. Yeah. And that's wow. and that's the priority system of our state government and the people that control it. Some of these people are just suits that have been imported from the mainland and have been carpetbagging all the way from the East Coast. Some of these people are people that we know and love in our community that really need to get their shit in check and recognize what side of the fight they need to be so on. So what can we all do then to maybe just show awareness of this? How can we change this? Show can up. We, we got to show, show up. I mean, that's the when- biggest part is like, There's always going to be a city council meeting. There's always going to be a new bill. There's always going to be a new piece of legislation, whether it's trying to watch the feeds on a Kaku media or Mm -hmm. listening to PBS or showing up at city hall. Like I'm not saying you have to show up to protest because a lot of people don't like showing up to protest that. And I feel Mm -hmm. that there's a fair amount of protests out there that don't get the message across. You know, there were times that when I slipped over to the left side of the political gamut, I was like, well, you know what? My allies in this region tend to be more Democrats. So I'm going to show up at at a a rally with them and support my Democrat friends on the other side of the aisle. And hopefully like us together fighting for this is going to cause a change because both parties recognize it. And then even they get lost. 
You know, mm-hmm. so I, I'm not saying you have to go out there and light things on fire or actually like scream with a sign. But if you want to scream with a sign and it's well-founded screaming, go right for it, bro. But I'll scream. Yeah. But like just knowing what's going on is important mm-hmm. right now because we have right. we have a huge community of people that are getting their, their news from not many sources. Yeah. And and not really trustworthy sources. They're newsworthy sources. You know, I wouldn't. So, yeah. so much going on. Like, like, let's say for me, I don't know. I don't, we've already established. I don't know much about when it comes to government stuff, whatever. Um, me, what could I do? I could show up. Like, what should I be following? First like, place is start with the news. Start with your local news. And when, it comes, and when it comes to local news, try to get it from two or three different sources. Because mm-hmm. no matter what, bias in news exists. Has existed uh-huh. since the 80s when Reagan freaking took away the fairness doctrine. Okay? What about council meetings? So, like, where is this? So, city council post- meetings, those are usually posted on your state and county websites or your okay. city websites. So, then you could go check out Maui County Gov. And you can uh-huh. go, oh, look at the calendar of events. Oh, there's going to be a craft fair. And then Tuesday, we're all going to yell at each other about the water supply. And that's ah. the stuff that you show up for. Now, okay. it doesn't always fit in people's schedules. And so that's mm-hmm. the hard thing is whether or not it fits in your schedule on whether you got to catch the video afterwards, if there is a video sometimes, or mm-hmm. you got to hear from your friends. And that's really, like, the best thing that we can do is at least saying that, like, there's someone in our community physically going you know hey talk with your your block i mean so many so many hawaiians break bread next door with their neighbors know them closely they're even family in a lot of cases so it's like hey if your whole family's interested in fighting city hall and doing the great thing it's like it doesn't have to be just one of you showing up all the time it's like draw straws and decide okay i got mondays free brah if they yelling at city hall on monday i like go and you make mm-hmm. the time for that you know so you can do it as as a tribe you don't just have to do it on your own. And that's really the part is, is once you realize showing up and how much support you'll get just for showing up and the people yeah. that you meet and the mana'o that, that will get spread to you and you could potentially spread back to them, like that makes a huge difference. Just being able to communicate real truth makes a huge difference, you know? And right. then when you're reading world news, try to read five different sources and make sure yeah, they come from the left and the right. I want to want to be one of those people to attack it. I always feel like I'm not educated enough, you know, and that like my opinion wouldn't really matter because I'm not educated, you know, through like fully. So, I mean, do you encourage people to still like, I guess, fight for it or like, like someone like me, you know, like I may not know all of the aspects. Yeah. But if you don't know, you will know because be exercising your time into it. Like, yeah, it was beat into me since I was born. Like, uh, I like little known fact about me. I actually hated being on stage. Uh, Interesting anecdote. I was going to be in a second grade production of It's Christmas, Charlie Brown and play Pigpen. But a week before that, a um, (laughs) back in the day, we used to have magicians and shit come to elementary schools. Right. And so a week before the big play. There's a magician coming in the auditorium and spaghetti dinner night fundraising. So my pop takes me to spaghetti dinner night and the magic show. And I'd been gaining some weight that year. And so I put on these shorts that the bugger won't snap open every once in a while when I breathe heavy. And (laughs) for a, a hot minute, 
the the magician was like, for my next trick, I'm going to need an assistant. And my old man like picked up my arm and me and just like waved me in front of the audience. And he's like, oh, that excited young man right there. Come on up on stage. Come on up on stage. So they did yeah. they did the whole dollar in the lemon trick. You know, it's like, here, let me take your dollar, light it on fire, cut open a lemon. Yeah. Is this your dollar? And then you're like, David Blaine, no, stop fucking with my mind. Uh, <laughs> so um, before I went on stage, the button popped. As I got on stage, the button popped. As he mm-hmm. took my dollar and lit it on fire, the button popped. And then and then he couldn't contain himself and he made a joke. So then I was the laughing stock of the entire auditorium because he was fitting it into his act. Needless right. to say, it then took away all potentiality of wanting to be a master of stage and gave me stage fright. So then a week later, luckily Pigpen doesn't have a lot of lines. The only thing you see of me in a home video is me sticking my legs out onto the proscenium from the side. You can't see the rest of my body. It's just my legs. And they're like, yeah, I'm dancing at the end of the play. That's it. That's it. That's all that was happening. And so, so I just, I didn't, I didn't like want to like talk in front of people. I didn't want to see. And and so my grandfather checked me out of school a couple months later. And I want to say I'm thankful for this. Uh, Kapunas, if you're out there, this is the best thing you can do for your kids. Take them on Rick and Morty-ass adventures. Like, uh, he would seriously, like, he'd show up every once in a while when he knew that he had something big going on and he wanted me to see it or me to understand it for the legacy of my life. He'd show Mm -hmm. up, talk to the principal, be like, yo, Principal Dodd, we got to go. He's got a tooth is falling out we got you know because he can't tell him like i'm gonna take a four-year-old to a rally or like i'm gonna take an eight-year-old to city hall right right so then he took me to city hall and then he had this legislation that he was working towards with the with the local government and he was trying to bolster support from the community and it actually had to deal with the youth in the community so he goes hey why don't you go read this up there and i was like what no man i just i'm not i'm not I'm not going up there. You can't, man. And he's just like, nah, you, you got to do it. You got to do it because if you don't, then you're never going to be able to do it for the rest of your life. And yeah. so I accepted his challenge and I went up there and I spoke in front of City Hall and and I got the point across. And afterwards, you know what? It still, it still was a little freaky every once in a while getting on stage. But then like a couple of years of doing that, hobnobbing with other politicians, ended up in like crazy ass places, just talking story for a while. You realize it's all the same. It's just whether mm-hmm. or not like one person's listening to you talk story or one million people are. Mm-hmm. So I think with that, like the thing to take people is that, you know, there's a place to start. You know, mighty acorns build strong trees, you know, so I'm not asking you to go out there and just like start pummeling terrible people and punching Nazis. I'm just saying, just plant your acorn, you know, try to get try to get your news from a different place every day. You know, Fox is crazy 99 percent of the time, but I still have to read it because I have to know how half of you out there are receiving the news, you know, and it also helps you. So if you're someone who normally reads NBC and CNN Take some time to read Fox because then maybe you're clued into like what's triggering your neighbor. Gotcha. You know? okay. And that's that's a deeper reason to read multiple sources other than just like you having the clarity of seeing bias when you see it between two different papers. You also mm-hmm. have the ability to see your neighbor, your friend, or your family's bias because you're like instead of just saying, "Oh, they 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 watch Fox News, they're crazy." It's like no, watch Fox News so you can learn how to code switch. 
Right. And then you can talk to them. Sometimes yeah. you just have to speak a little deucey and they'll understand it, you know? <laughs> you know? If everything, you know, if there's anything that I've learned from the craziness of, like, the Trump presidency and and moving forward in the fight is that the only thing that we can do now is build better communication. Because yeah. nobody nobody likes being told what to do. Okay? Absolutely. Even, even if the answer is world-changing. Okay, mm-hmm. you have to trick people into the right thing. It's crazy. Um, case in point, the state of California did a test uh, a while back where the EPA was like, guys, you got to like whatever way you can get like energy consumption down, do it. So then like this commission was set out and they went to everybody's house in a the neighborhood. They put little hang tags on the doors and they're like, between the hours of 7 and 9 p.m., you need to turn off your washer and dryer and not be on the internet, blah, 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 blah. Save energy. Do you know how many people saved energy? So little people, it was a negligible percentage. Wow. Wasn't a data point worth evaluating. Nobody cared. So then you know what they did after that? They went to every other house with a hang tag that said, your neighbor is saving energy. Why aren't you? Look at all this money they saved. And you know what happened? Energy saving went up like 40%. Because people got to keep up with the Joneses. Like, yeah. I mean, look at look at, look at at COVID facts and statistics. People are more likely to take medical advice from a family member than they are to take it from a doctor. And it comes from a place of where most working class people can't afford healthcare. So if they do see a doctor, it's some freebie doctor that like, oh God, please don't leave me alone with them. I just have a cough. Don't kill me. Don't kill me. You know? And then you have like two generations of older people still living that like they're deathly afraid of hospitals and doctors because they were born in a century that like everything was cut off. You know? Like, I mean, there are great grandparents that still exist from a time to where like dysentery could kill you. So there's Mm -hmm. like this, you have this knowledge gap that just infects people over time. So you have certain people who grow up afraid of hospitals just because they have a family member afraid of hospitals. Or you get parents that go, oh, we can just pray it away so we never had doctors. You know? So there's a lot, a lot, a lot of of raging misinformation and a lot of it can be cured by everybody just taking the time Mm -hmm. to tend to it. You know, tend to your garden, tend to your mind. Yeah. And if you do that, there's a really good chance that you can take that fight to the next level because you you're not carrying the stressors of everything else you you've worked on that muscle to be able to carry its own weight you know so a lot of people in the same way that like people everybody wants to be rich or everybody wants to have the greatest job it's the same application falls into civic duty it's like showing up to the gym the only way you're going to make gains is showing up every day you guys want to you guys want to make gains on the muscle of, of civics you want you want to be able to go to the gun show of civics wouldn't show up at the gym of civics every day. Read that huh? newspaper, even if it pisses you off. Watch that fucking statement from the mayor. Get mad at him. Get happy at him. Whatever. <laughs> but engage with it. Don't just sit there and go like, oh, my God. Tell somebody how it makes you feel. Even if you don't agree with how they're going to tell you how it makes them feel, that discourse is necessary. If we don't provide for a line of discourse, if if people stop talking story, they're going to stop seeing eye to eye. And we right. have a huge divide on that. 
I mean, quite frankly, though, like if we could all band together immediately to change something, I wouldn't even think it'd be politics immediately that we need to work on. You know, we have so many bigger things beyond just the state of America in a world where like our oceans die. You know, yeah. it's like we we have way too much pollution. We, you know, we, and we don't have enough regulation on it yet. People no. will turn around and like, I don't know how the EPA became a red herring for Republicans because they're like, Oh, well you're taking away all of our manufacturing jobs. And it's like, do you really want to work in a plastics facility? Do you really want to know what it's like inhaling those fumes every day? Cause mm-hmm. there's children in Taiwan that have to make those plastics with their bare hands. Okay. That's what most people don't realize that the equipment's yeah. behind it, the things that operate it, like shit. You like go watch how grocery store bags are made, and you'll never want to use a grocery store bag again mm-hmm. because they literally just like they import tons of used plastic. They put it in this giant hot play-doh machine, pump it out into pieces, and then people literally just like would just like like the same gloves you use to take your pans out of the oven. They take those. And then they just stick their hand and then they rub it into little like laffy taffy strips and then they turn it into whatever, you know, there are so many things in modern manufacturing. There's a reason why we're trying to get rid of it. There's a reason why we're trying to find older holistic methods that we overlooked because we thought technology was the answer, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think if there's really anything that we should try to get the whole world to agree on, before we even tried politics, it would have to be it would have to be the planet itself. Yeah, and there's no fixes to it. It's all hands on deck kind it's of thing. It's all hands on deck every day thing. <laughs> you know, you have to apply it every day, or it's just it's not gonna make a difference. You know, yeah. there's there's only so much you can do by by switching away from plastic. There's only so much you could do by not using straws anymore. There's only so much you can do by, but those add up. So if everybody can do that little bit, that's good. But mm-hmm. The next phase needs to be like, how the hell do we get rid of big problems? Like the Pacific garbage patch. Like yeah. that, that is so huge of a problem that like you can't get anybody. Like it's the size of an Island. Like I've seen videos of people standing on it. Like you can wait on it. You can pick through it. Like you can get off a boat and walk across the patch and, and just pick shit out of the trash. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? What's crazier is like how many boats exist on this planet that like, if everybody showed up for like a month, all the boats in the world and just, yeah, but nobody wants to make an alliance like that. Action. Nobody wants the excuse they have is world politics. How can you convince a bunch of boaters from Ghana to agree with a bunch of boaters from another place with a bunch of guys from Morocco and then a bunch of guys from Yemen and then China and then communist China and then Korea, North Korea. And it's like, eventually you're going to just find yourself back in the UN yelling at each other and throwing shoes and nobody's picking up the trash. Mm -hmm. So how do we do it? How do we go out there? Because you know what? It's cute that like Greenpeace wants to go out there every once in a while. There's some cute little water charity. But like I don't give a shit about selfie influencers who want to say I picked up, you know, 20 pounds of trash from the garbage patch and I cried next to it for 10 minutes. Bruh, if you took me out there and I looked at it and I cried, I wouldn't want to fucking leave until it's done. Or at least I came back with a whole boat full of trash and then dumped it somewhere for people to have to fucking pay attention. Mm -hmm. You know, like 
I thought about it quite a few times. Like, okay, well, what if we just stuck a boat out there that was an incinerator that processed the trash? I mean, yes, oh. that. So Germany, Germany actually has technology like that. That's why uh-huh. they have like no trash in Germany because well, your because your yeah, trash doesn't go to a landfill. But mind you, most of the stuff that survives in the ocean is plastics. So any yeah. type of processing we're gonna do on that, it's like it's gonna have water runoff. So we can't really yeah. do that. So at the end of the day, it really seems to me the only thing that makes enough sense is that we have to figure out how to capture all of it and then transport it on mass. Like it's too big of a problem to even go in there with shovels on the daily. I really think that like, like you get like four big ass boats, the largest fucking trawling net you can get. And then you just scoop the thing like a bad guy from Scooby-Doo and you drag it all the way to the mainland. And then you put it on the shore. And I mean, yeah, yeah, it seems a little nasty to think that all that stuff's gonna float towards the shore, but it's just like this stuff is making it to the bottom of the trenches of the ocean. Okay? Yeah. Every time, like, unless you're lucky enough to live in a place that has fresh water supply directly from the Ina, you are staring at water that has treated chemicals in it. Like Ugh. next time, hey, folks, you on the mainland, next time you turn on your shower, look down at the ground in your shower. And look at all those shiny little circular bits that come out of your water. That's PFKs, okay? That's all the stuff that they they have to throw into the water supply to keep it clean now because we're now at a point of no return of just like we now have to use chemicals to treat water faster to make more water available. And then, oh. and then when we're not doing that, we're stealing water and diverting it from yeah. major supply systems. So, like... I- we need... Priorities checked. Yeah, we need our priorities checked. And you know what, guys? For those of you out there playing the home game, I I think that that's going to be a shark we're going to have to jump in future seasons. I've always had a dream of getting out to the Pacific Garbage Patch and making a dent in it or making it disappear. Like, I don't want to be known as the the best podcast. I don't want to be known as the greatest writer. I don't want to be known as the fucking coolest director, producer, whatever, man. But if I could be known for anything, I'd be known for picking up the trash. Because it needs to happen. Like, it sounds like a boring fucking job to a lot of people, but, like, if you don't do it, who the fuck will? Right? It's a pretty impactful job. <laughs> yeah. Boring. Really impactful. I think I've, I've I've fed a little bit too much into my angry Hawaiian rage, and, and I need to come off of my bully pulpit for a bit. Uh, we'll take a little break here for some messages. And when we come back, we'll just we'll clear our skin of the nasty thoughts, and we'll think about silly shit. Because we all need to escape every once in a while. And then after that, we'll have the Captain of Stoke, Mike Latronic, a free surf mag and surfing legendary icon himself, man. He will be on to tell us how to to keep our heads clear in these trying times. How to build the Stoke and how to be good people, even though we might just want to escape from it all sometimes. So be right back after these messages. Moving forward. When you don't vote, what you're really doing is letting somebody else take power over your own life. You wouldn't give your grandmother the power to decide what clothes you wear to the club. You wouldn't give your crazy uncle the power to post a picture to your Instagram feed. So why would you give a stranger the power to make far more important decisions in your life? Voting is the only way to ensure that your concerns matter. Period. Moving forward. (laughs) 
drinking some. Uh, I'm trying to like bring my blood pressure down after uh, getting all riled up. Like sometimes. Oh, Take a deep breath. <sighs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I had to say that, you know, a lot of people look at me and they go, I didn't know Hawaiians were angry. And it's like, brother, we've been hiding it from my inside for how long? Like, yeah, we we love to spread aloha as much as the next person. But you know what really grinds my gears is when people mm -hmm. mistreat the earth and mistreat each other. So Hell I yeah. just get a little upset. But to calm down from that, you know what? We all escape. So, yeah. I mean, I've been doing a lot of uh, escaping lately, and I know Sarah has too, because sometimes we just, we got to we gotta distract ourselves from reality in order to be able to deal with it in heavier doses later. So, mm -hmm. uh, so with that, you know, we binge things, we watch things, we enjoy a good book or two. Right now, sure. we're going to talk about what we're watching this week. What you watching, Sarah? Oh, this week, what am I watching? So I just dived into a new series called Clickbait on Netflix. Do tell. Have you I have not seen it. You have not seen it? I really advise you to watch it. So I started watching it a couple days ago, few episodes in. And so it's basically about, it, it follows this woman and she's just kind of going through her day, right? And she comes across a video and it's a man with a sign and he's badly beaten. And it says that once the view gets up to like 5 million views, he's going to be killed. Oh, okay. And I'm not giving it away because it's like happens the first five minutes and it ends up being her brother that is in this video. So she's kind of going, trying to make sure that, you know, her brother doesn't get killed and going through the backstory of why he got into this situation to begin with. And I just, I just love this show because it really just kind of dives into like, you may not know the people that you know, you know, like everybody has like all of these secrets and that you never really know somebody. And I just, I just find it a really cool and fascinating show. Dig it, dig it. You watching anything else? You know, I've been, I know that's basically all that I've been watching. I've been really hearing a lot about the new Batman movie and I'm super bummed. I haven't seen it yet. Have you seen it? Uh, no, we kind of promised each other a couple weeks ago we were going to go see it and then we both got busy. So I'm making yeah. a promise to myself that this weekend I'm going to go see it. And then I also feel at that point, by the time that we talk about it in the next week, it'll be far enough away to where we can say spoilers. And anybody who yeah. hasn't seen it, it's like, bruh, I watched it late. What's your excuse, right? Mm -hmm. So we'll give everybody out there in podcast land enough time to go to the theaters, watch it, form their opinions, and yeah. then listen to us and then yell at us on whether or not we liked it or not. Uh, yeah, no, I was actually going to bring that up. But me, I've been watching Our Flag Means Death on HBO Max. Ooh, I haven't even heard of that oh one yet. Oh, my God, you're missing out on The Greatest Time. It's a 30-minute episodic show. There are six episodes out right now. It stars Reese Darby and Taika Waititi. All right? Oh! And no, so get this. The year is 1717. Wealthy landowner Steed Bonnet has a midlife crisis and decides to blow up his cushy life to become a pirate. And obviously, it, it does not go well. So, Reese Darby plays Steed Bonnet. And what most people do not know, Steed Bonnet was a real pirate. He was known as the Gentleman Pirate, and he was considered one of the dumbest wastes of air ever to exist on the seven seas. He was a total derp. He got into the most craziest circumstances. It's like, he's the kind of guy that you told shitty bar jokes about in the 1700s. You know? So, um... Yeah, so there's a lot of weird truth to this show that you can check and and, and cross over with reality. But mm. I will have to say the fun part of it is, is it's 
a lot more lighthearted than even a Disney Pirates movie. So uh-huh. um, and that and it also drops a lot of shade. I feel on like the Ren Fair community and their representation of pirates and stuff like that. <laughs> and it does pirates better than they do. Uh-huh. Um, Taika Waititi is amazing as Blackbeard. And so where these characters cross each other's paths, Reese Darby plays Steed Bonnet, this gentleman pirate trying to just like make a name. And he's got the most ridiculous ship. So he he builds a ship called the Revenge. And this was a real ship. The problem with this ship was that it had all of these fancy fucking things on it. It was like it was like going on an episode of MTV Cribs. Whereas your average pirate ship was something that like you could light on fire and throw away tomorrow and it'd be okay because you just steal another ship. So like a lot of pirates would just like ride their car till the wheels fell off and they'd be like, oh, time to loot me another ship. And they'd go mm. off and they'd get another one. So this whole idea that like a pirate had a mainstay ship, he had like fucking library on it, fucking like all these crazy things that just like, how, why? Why? Like it's just too posh for a pirate. Uh-huh. So then he runs into... Taika Waititi's Blackbeard, who bails him out while they're, like, being uh, attacked by the Spanish. And it turns out Blackbeard is having a midlife crisis. <laughs> he's, like, he's just bored of being Blackbeard because, like, looting's not fun anymore. Because all he has to do is just, like, wave his flag. And people are like, oh, shit, Blackbeard, beat it. Give him the gold. And so he's just like, nothing's fun, man. Yeah. It's, like, a, it, it's a lot like, uh, it's a lot like. Captain Smee and Hook in the movie Hook, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like a long for a war, you know, type oh of thing. But, but what it really turns into is that like you've got a black beard who just like he's not he's not seeing life straight anymore. His first mate is just like, what's wrong with you? And then enter Steed Bonnet, Reese Darby, who's just like, oh, well, we can just teach out. Have a fun time. And the next thing you know, they're like crashing debutante ball parties and teaching him how to be waspy just because he's always wanted to go to a fucking cotillion and then he hates it Uh, you know like and then all the crazy things that come with being a pirate leslie jones shows up regularly she is fucking hilarious in the show by all means her cameo alone is great because she's got like a her name is spanish jackie and she's got like this classic red (laughs) pirate outfit but then she's got a wooden arm that's always got a joint like crutched in her hand, <laughs> so she's always just like, yeah. So it's 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 pretty great. Like a pirate. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it's out on HBO Max now. There's uh, there's six episodes out as of now. I highly suggest checking it out. It's just thirty minutes, you know. And since there's plenty, you can save it for a day here and there, or watch uh-huh. a couple if you've got enough time. But it's it's good. But while I've been on HBO, like, because I'm addicted to the HBO Max, it's got so many good documentaries. I'm actually rewatching The Vow right now. Have you seen The Vow yet? I haven't. You know what? I don't have HBO and I need to get it because isn't that where Euphoria is on? Is on HBO? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Because I keep hearing about Euphoria and uh, I mean, it's gotten so big that I'm like, I need yeah, to let me dive into check that right now. You seen it? Euphoria. Yet? Is it on At first, I was like, I don't know if I really want to dive into a series about yeah. teenagers having sex and drugs. I feel like as an adult, maybe that'd be a little weird watching. But, like, everybody is talking about it so much that I feel like I need to dive into it. I say check it out. 
I'm going to. Yep, absolutely. We'll just just write off your streaming uh, receipt as uh, research for work. Oh, yeah. You know, maybe we can get Mike Latronic to teach us how how to do that. How how he gets to write off his surfing trips. We could use that for writing our. If you're listening out there, podcasts about watching things. Maybe maybe you should ask your tax man. I'm going to ask my tax man. Can I get my Netflix subscription written off if I review things? <laughs> Yeah, it's a business Mexico. expense. Clothes, getting my hair done, my nails done. What else? Yeah, exactly. Exact, yeah, because you got to be screen ready. Exactly. So, yeah. So, Euphoria, season two just dropped on HBO Max. That's right. <laughs> and uh, I guess I'll have to check it out. But there's so many good things on there. So, like, uh, oh I don't normally rewatch things. But, like, it has to do with cults. And you know how addicted to cult watching I am. What what is it? What so is it? So the vow, the vow tells the story of Nexium, which is a <laughs> recent cult that ended up in the news because its cult leader Keith Raniere just got sent to jail for 120 years for all the crazy shit he just did. So Damn. so season 1 is insane out of the fact that one of the whistleblowers from the organization was actually a filmmaker who was told to record everything at Keith's whim. Wow, so, so it's actual footage. So it's actual footage that HBO bought off of Mark Vicente, and they're like, we're going to cut this all into a documentary and then have you guys talk about these circumstances. So there's audio from, like, secret talks. There's video from behind the scenes. There's daily life shit. There's everything. It opens your eyes to how crazy. No, yeah, it's worth checking out. And season two is about to drop any day now. Um, Wait, what did you say the title of that is? It's called The Vow. The Vow. The okay. Vow. Yeah, and it's, I, I will have to say, as far as in the in the cult world, as far as, like, watching cult stuff, like, Scientology ain't got nothing on this shit right now. Damn. Um, and so, yeah, the, the drama with Keith is so big that this show actually merits multiple seasons. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they got a third or even a fourth season because, like, first he started it as an MLM that was selling just, like, psychology tech. As, and that's a, one of the big reasons why I'm against, like, all these hippy-dippy new wellness healing things because in a lot of cases, people are making false gods out of themselves and making mm. you, like, the person they're, you know, making them the person you have to report to. So, like... Keith Raniere became this gateway to psychological tech just in the same way as Scientology. So in the same way that you get, like, your thetans checked by the Scientologists, you get, like, an EM done by freaking Keith or Nancy Saltzman or one of the Bronfman sisters, and then they tell you why you're a piece of shit and how you can fix it. And they literally do it like that. Like, they'll, they'll tell women that it, they, they would tell women that it was their fault that men have those urges and that the second that they just succumb to nature, that it's okay. So they do all this weird gaslighting and brainwashing. They manage what? to convince, like, dyed-in-the-wool feminists to completely flip-flop their ideals and turn on their friends and their family. And then eventually they created this commune in upstate New York of, like, million-dollar houses because he had the Bronfman sisters, who were heirs to the Seagram's fortune, oh. with bankrupt billion-dollar people bankrolling this thing. Wow. And then he had it turn into multiple sub-organizations. All right? And then he had an empire. And inside of those sub-organizations was this group called DOS, which was hidden inside of another organization. And it was said to be this secret group that was teaching women how to, like, 
better themselves on their path to like taking over the world. But then it turns out it was secretly a place where people would get a soldering iron scribbling onto their skin and they put Keith Raniere and actress Allison Mack. Yeah. From Smallville. Yeah. 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 She, she was like number one devotee. She's finally, they finally just like unbrainwashed most of her. So she's starting to Uh realize how bad she was on the Kool-Aid, but like, so they had convinced this whole group of women and, and like, it's still coming out at like how many women got suckered into DOS but all the women who went through the full program eventually got Keith's initials ironed into their skin. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. And there's more. There's more. Oh. The guy, the guy, the guy used the millions and billions of dollars of the Bronfman sisters to create all of these extra programs throughout the world. So then he created like these children's schools. But then he would use them to fucking traffic people. He would sleep with 16-year-old girls, 12-year-old fucking girls, because, like, it'd be legal in Thailand to sleep with a fucking 16-year-old lady boy. So he'd be like, oh, come to my retreat this weekend. We're all going to teach you how to speak English. Please send the youngest ones this way. Yeah, and so he was total free. This, this, his trial was like what would happen if Jeffrey Epstein didn't hang himself, but then wow. nobody cared. Like, everybody cared enough to make it an HBO thing, but, like, he got dwarfed by the Epstein trial because the second the Epstein hung himself, it's like, who cares about, yeah, no, nah, dude, pedophile hung himself, that's, yeah. you know. I haven't even heard yeah. of this. Well, and then, so then here's the crazy part where he fits in with Latin America. He used the influence of Nexium and the money of the Bronfmans to invade Mexican elections. He, so here's the weirdest part. The central party, the central party of Mexico, which actually like stood a chance to like being a, a good force for change, uh-huh. has slowly become corrupted like every other facet of Mexican politics. And inside of that, Keith Raniere. That's insane, though. Because then wow. he got them all into it. And he was making these throughout the world. So the crazy part is, is if this guy could ever get out of prison, he could just leave and head to another country and become the Dalai Lama crazy there. Actually, speaking of the Dalai Lama, he even convinced the Dalai Lama that he was a good guy once, and he got the Dalai Lama to fucking like bless Nexium, and yeah, this, and then and then the Dalai Lama was like, "Oh shit, yeah, yeah, he tricked the Dalai Lama, yeah." So the vow, HBO Max season two coming soon, worth every minute. Yeah, and you know what else is gonna be worth every minute? is when we come back with our special guest, Mike Latronic, here on the pod. And we're going to talk about his life, uh, growing up in New York, going to Hawaii, all those crazy things, how, how it was growing up in Hawaii as a transplant, his life, you know, as a right. professional no surfer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Can't wait to hear his story right after this brief message. Moving forward. It doesn't matter what you were wearing, what you were drinking, or what you agreed to in the past. Sexual assault is never your fault. Support is available 24-7 through the National Sexual Assault Hotline. Call one 800 656 hope or visit rain.org that's r-a-i-n-n.org remember it's not your fault moving forward 
back, everybody. We're back from our little break here, and we've got our special guest with us, Captain Stoke, Mike Latronic. Mike, how's it? Good. Well, the Captain of Stoke, I, 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 I'm, I'm stoked to hear that. That is a that is <laughs> that is an important subject right now in this world. Oh, always, always, always. Uh, so, Mike, I mean. The world's a crazy place right now, but you know what? At the end of the day, we can always escape to the surf, right? Yeah, I mean, um, if you really try to place world events in perspective, um, you, you know, you think about it. There's there's billions of people on this earth, and everybody's got feelings. Everybody's got agenda. Everybody's got schedules. Everybody's got a life. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, you know, uh, I've spent the bigger part of my life creating um, my media. And and I don't know what, you know, obviously it's action sports and it's news and it's this and that. But in the end of the day, it's, it's like I, I consider it's adventure escape media because, yeah. um, you know, as much as we need to focus on environmental subjects or political subjects as a community, uh, people have told me like, Mike, we go to your media. We go to free surf magazine to escape the rest of what's in our head and in our hearts. And we want to be stoked. We go like free surf reminds people that living in a free society, uh, that, that these are the things that you can do, you know, walking the beach, running around, uh, fishing, diving, surfing, playing in the ocean. These are the things that are the benefits of living in a functioning free society where there's law and, and, and consideration and respect. And, and, you know, when you, when you flip on the news sometimes and you see these actual stories of, of, you know, destitute and horrible and cruel acts around the world, you're just like, wow, I, I don't, I, 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 for one, don't know how it gets to be like that with people. Like somebody wakes up in the morning and goes, yeah, I want to, you know, I want to make hundreds of thousands of people suffer. or I want to change the price of gasoline or I I don't know. Like my world is just like, wow, you know, there's a nice wind blowing. The waves are crystal clear. Um, Of course, not every day is like that. Even surfers have their share of problem, jellyfish and sharks and people drop it in and too many crowds and all this other stuff. But, but, it, you know, like ultimately um, free surf is a reflection of uh, living in a free society and enjoying our planet and sharing stoke with other people that are around you. I love that. So that's the story behind free surf then, huh? Well, I, I kind of made it my company. My, my, free surf is the magazine. My company is actually Manulele Incorporated. There's a, uh, interesting way I got that the name of that company, but Manulele technically is the bird in flight in Hawaiian. And, and um, anyway, my first wife's grandmother was, I used to be a pro surfer and I was on ESPN. Back then we didn't have the internet and all this stuff. And it was like, yeah, ma, uh, uh, you know, like Nana, 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 Mikey's on TV. And she comes up, this little Hawaiian lady, and she's like, ah, look the Manulele boy, because I'm riding across the way. Yeah. <laughs> I named my company, but yeah, Free Surf is the vision of Manulele. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we do board stories, TV as well. But um, 
where was I going with that? Uh, oh, my company motto or my, it's not a motto, but my, my kind of intrinsic um, mission statement is um, share the sunshine, spread the stoke. And yeah, it's a little bit, it's a little bit hippie. So I don't, you know, throw it out there. It's not like on the cover of the magazine or the master or anything, but, but really that's kind of what we try to do. You know, we're, we're trying to remind people why, um, you know, living near the ocean or enjoying your gravity from earth is, is such an, uh, you know, free and natural thing keeps us close to nature and, uh, gives us a, a feeling of stoke and, and, um, um, self-fulfillment that hopefully people can take into the rest of the life. You don't go out and have a great surf session and then go want to mess with your brother, man, in a, in a, in a negative way, you know, mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah. Hey, let me get that chair for you. Or, or yeah, you go ahead, please. You know, like respect and courtesy. You would think. Dig it. So let's scale back a little from the now and let's, let's kind of like, cause uh, like, Half our audience doesn't know who you are, and the other half, the audience is like, "Cool, Uncle's on the radio." (laughs) So let's let's give a little history, because you know, I noticed like in my time of following you, there's like there's not a lot of like crazy interviews with you. It's just the usual like, "Hey, this is Mike. He was born in Yonkers, and then one day he went to Long Beach, and then he went to Hawaii, and now he's in Hawaii." So like, is there like is there like a are there extra chapters in the birth of Christ there for Mike Latronic? Is there, is there anything interesting that you'd like to share in your history of like, how does a young boy from out there come out here? And he's already like, and from everything that I've ever heard of you, cause this is our first time talking, like you, you fit in pretty hand in glove in the community. Once you entered it, as far as like, I assume from like, as far as the lore goes, like, is there anything that you could tell us about like coming in from the outside, enjoying it, becoming a part of the community and, uh, you know, your path on the way that led to free surf? You know, um, growing up in New York City, I, the furthest thing from my mind were ocean waves. Like, I, you know, used to run. Okay, so my earliest memories were living somewhere on the east side. Uh, it was not a nice neighborhood. My mom, bless her soul, she's um, uh, she was an artist and a poet and, you know, we were a poor family. My my mom and dad split up when I was pretty young, but I remember, um, you know, she would always take us to the park. We were out in nature quite a bit. And then in certain summers, um, we, w- my mom was kind of like a total hippie adventurer. Um, we would go to St. Croix and St. Thomas somehow, either she'd go with a girlfriend or she had a boyfriend or we'd go by ourselves and visit a friend over there. And, um, we didn't stay in hotels. We stayed in all these cra- crazy, weird houses. But I remember going to the beach. My first experience in even seeing the ocean like that was um, a beach in St. Thomas. I don't remember the beach name. I just remember there was like this lunch place, bar, they were playing pool. And me and my brother used to jump off the, the roof with palm fronds trying to fly. Like when we, when you're... <laughs> When you're five or six years old, you can jump 10 feet and land and it doesn't hurt. Apparently, that's what we were doing. But I remember doing that. And then we went to the water to get rinsed off. And there's these things and we're like, oh, you know, not too bad. We'll just go play in them. And I remember me and my brother called it mashed potatoes because we'd run into it. The wave would knock us over. and The whitewash would hold us down. And, you know, we never even knew about getting barreled or riding it. We just crash into it like little kids. And. 
And my mom kind of noticed that she goes, Oh, you guys really love the water, you know? And, and, um, so we went back to the Bahamas a couple of times and, and in New York city, I think you mentioned Jones beach. Yeah. Yeah. I did. The, the first time I think I actually saw the ocean was in New York city at Jones beach. And I saw a dead shark on the beach. It didn't scare me. I was just like, what is that fish? And, and the water was freezing and I didn't go, you know, we didn't go in the water. Yeah. It was more like a baseball football jock. When I was little, I was a tough little kid. Um, you know, totally humbled when I got to Hawaii and even when I got to California. So we, we lived in New York city. My mom loved the sun and loved the beach. And so she had a girlfriend that moved out to Laguna beach, California, which in the seventies was this kind of quaint little hippie town that had this big art festival every year. I don't know if you know about this thing called the Sawdust Festival. Eclectic art artists from the community, you know, it's just this huge art festival. And it's been going for I don't even know how many years now. But my mom was like, yeah, let's move out there. You kids want to go to, uh, you know, to, to, to California? We're like, ding, 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 okay, whatever. <laughs> um, you know, at, at that point, though, me and my brother were really good at baseball and football. Like we we were we were super active. We used to go to Central Park all the time and play football and baseball on a daily basis. My brother, Steve, was two years older than me. So I was always kind of had to run with a group that was a little ahead of me, mm-hmm. older. And um, I can remember gangs. Like we, we stayed out of trouble. You know, when we left New York city, I think I was eight, my brother was 10. So it was like kind of pre-adolescent trouble, Mm -hmm. but I remember gangs. I remember, um, getting robbed. You know, we, I think we were playing on the rocks or something. We left our our football gear somewhere and, and somebody yelled, one of our friends yelled, Hey, the kids are taking off with our gear. We ended up chasing these kids they dropped the gear. We got it back. But I was only eight years old. I didn't even know, you know, like what, what's going to happen if we catch them, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it, luckily it was just kid stuff. And we got out of the big city before anything crazy happened. But um, we were pretty peaceful kids. And and when I, I did get accosted in school quite a bit in New York City. So by the time I got to Hawaii, I was kind of used to this because we went to the Bahamas and my hair got bleach blonde. Like right now it's kind of brown. A little bit of uh well that's blonde that's bleach blonde that's not gray but of course <laughs> this uh i'll peel this off later <laughs> but the, um the thing was we'd come home with blonde hair and i got picked on by like my best friend in, in growing up was a, a black kid named jason jason smith I, I remember looking for him when facebook came out and i was like jason oh man there's too many jason smiths in the world but I never found Jason, but we were like tooling around together for everything like class and recess and after school. And, um, his parents were from Namibia, which of course now you hear Namibia has got these crazy good waves. And I was like, Oh, yeah. Anyway, I'm totally rambling. If you need to interject, go. No, that's where the talk story is supposed to go, bro. Keep it going. One of my good friends was also this Puerto Rican kid and, and his older brother, came up to us in the school and said, Hey, you know, you, you got, you, you, you got to fight this blondie. You, you got to beat him up. And, and his brother like, well, but we're friends, you know? And, and I'm like, dude, what's your brother doing? Like, you know, back then I used to talk like this, believe it or not. I used to have a little bit of accent. What's wrong with your brother? How, you know, what, what is this? And, 
And sure enough, it's like he was going to beat us both up if we didn't throw blows. And I remember this in school and it was like better us than him. Right. So we went at it. None of us got suspended, but we got broken up, whatever. I gave him a, a, a sore eye and he gave me a sore lip and it wasn't that bad, but we got out of it. And then it was like, we like the older brother was cool with us then. And maybe the older brother was already in a gang. I don't know that like, we had no mentality about that when we were that age. Um, we didn't have the internet. I think kids, younger kids now have more of a span of good and bad in this mm-hmm. world due to the absolute flood of information they have access to. But um, back then it was really just fun, just growing up in the city and having Central Park there. And I had a great time in school and, and I got in a couple of scraps because I had blonde hair or whatever, but whatever. When I came to the, with my first day in school in California, um, there was a, a, the class bull, uh, you know, good looking kid, you know, well-built. Uh, and, and, you know, he picked on me cause I was wearing, a, 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 a blue jeans jacket. I was wearing a Levi's jacket or something like that. He goes, nobody wears that around here, hippie. And I'm like, come on, whatever, you know, like it's my first day. I don't know. You know? And, and he's like, yeah, well, you know, he just wanted to fight me. And I'm like, no, I, I, I look at my first day. Come on. <laughs> And, and he like pushed me and I dropped all my books and I'm like, it's on, you know, I'm like nine years old. So it's kid stuff, but we're fully scrapping first day of school. And then whatever I, I held my own, he held his own. It wasn't like, you know, and, and, and I remember having that mentality that, wow, I have different color hair. So people are weird about this. And my mom and dad never raised me with any racism at all. No discrimination. I didn't know this until I started like dealing with it myself. And then age 12, we ended up moving to Hawaii and oh my God. So, um, the, the couple months, there's a surf contest in Laguna beach called the Brook street surfing contest. And I remember moving to Cal. So there's a lot in between here that we didn't pick up on, but the Nielsen brothers came to the Brook street surfing contest. Now, if you know your 70s uh, folklore or 80s. It was like Marvin Foster, Mickey Nielsen, um, you know, Bird Mahalona. And, and like these guys weren't the top dogs in competition, but they were the top dogs at Pipeline and some of the main breaks and stuff. And and so the Nielsen brothers, before we knew anything, were all three of them were at uh, – there's three or four, but there's three at the contest, and they were all like – taking out our boys in Laguna beach in the contest. I'm like, what? Anyway, we invited, they, they, we told them, I somehow in my conversation, my brother said, Oh yeah, we're going to Hawaii. They they came over to dinner that night and they scared the living daylights out of us because they told us about the localism and the locals and, you know, you can't stare at people too long and, and this and that. And don't ask people what, because it's just, it's just a bad thing to do. You go, what? But I couldn't understand what they were saying. So I kept asking these guys, what? <laughs> Not a good thing in Hawaii. Wow, what? You know? Anyway, long story short, well, the long story is still long, but, um, you know, it was like they were so cool and they just said, that's when I kind of learned, give respect, you get respect. You know, mm. be humble. And, you know, I was so, I, I was a bit of a, like, when I was 12 years old, I could do 64 push-ups in a minute. Like, nobody in my class messed with me because I was small and strong. They even wanted me to place me as a tackle on the football team when everybody was 30 pounds heavier than me. 
and and I I was an athletic little kid and I you know I was taking karate and all this other stuff but I was like no I'm absolutely not tangling with the locals it's their Aina or whatever you call it and this and that so I was always really on my best behavior and I just lived that way like oh be humble be respectful don't you know I mean, I'm kind of a ham, so that part of me came out. But <laughs> everybody likes York, hams around here. <laughs> that's getting from New York to California to Hawaii was was an evolution that was just. I think it was just lucky. I, I, honestly, I, I think back about where I started, and and you know, my mom when she moved to Hawaii, we scored a place on the beach at sunset. In the first week we were here, first two weeks we were here, or whatever. We stayed with some Japanese friends. Um, and, and for at Comsat road, served VLAN a couple of times. Next thing you know, me and my brother are looking out our living room window at sunset point. And that's where we lived through high school. So, yeah. Wow. That's so, awesome. so in that evolution, where, where does the, the evolution to journalism come in? What, what gave you that bug? I remember I, I used to always enjoy writing class, uh, you know, English class and, and I can remember some of the stories I wrote when I was a little kid were like haunted houses and, and spooky forests. And I don't know, like, I don't know if I should have been a, a, a sci-fi writer or something like that, but I always enjoyed writing and I did well in English class. Um, I think communication is not just a, a big gift for humans, but it's, 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 it's a, it, it, it kind of is what separate, I mean, animals communicate with each other, but humans take their knowledge from one generation to the next generation to the next generation and build upon this knowledge. Supposedly we're supposed to learn from our knowledge, Sometimes. but you know, it's what separates us from the rest of the animal kingdom is, you know, some monkey might be able to crush a rock with a, 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 a crush of a, a walnut with a rock and that's how they open the walnuts easier you know and then you know later on all the monkeys monkey see monkey do they they start doing that because they're a little more intelligent but you know if 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 a skunk gets lucky and and rolls a rock onto the walnut and and it breaks and opens the skunk doesn't remember that and pass that on to its kids and humans have this capacity so the written word and the passing of knowledge and the telling of stories, I think is, uh, you know, it, it's just a important reflection of human nature itself. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree with you more on that. I've shut up now. Oh, not at all. <laughs> no. I'm sure we could probably talk story for a long time, but before you go, uh, what's on the horizon for, for Mike Latronic and free surf right now? What's, uh, yeah. For you particular, any anything fun in in your life? Exactly, we want to give a shout out to people to be on uh, on the lookout for. Well, I mean, it's it's an interesting time in history for a publisher like myself that has most of my roots and finances tied up in print. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, you know, um, digital is a big part of our world too, but. It's it's a challenging time. At the same time, it's an exciting time. Um, really, we survived the gamut of the digital revolution, the magazine did. Um, and we've got a lot of video and digital components as well. And we haven't even begun to ramp up what that could look like. Mm. But 
the um you know the nuances of doing a print magazine in the midst of uh, a digital revolution plus COVID nineteen. It's like the fact that FreeSurf survived these last two years has been pretty amazing. And I think uh, you know I have a I have a good crew that we all took pay cuts. I took the biggest pay cut, but my crew took pay cuts. I had to let some people go. You know, it was survival um, for the last couple of years. Um, Getting past this and all the other craziness in the world, um, I don't know. It's it, it's a constant. You know, my life is guided by the wind and the waves and and what's on the maps for the next week. Um, I, of course, I pay attention to world news and and what's going on in the community and and you know other things that could affect this. But I am pretty. I think most surfers, most, most, um, passionate surfers, uh, that, you know, it's more than a sport. It's, it's like a lifestyle. And, and, you know, I don't know, it'd be the equivalent of, of a mountain climber that knows that in three days time, the winds are going to back off and the, and the, and the clouds are going to clear and they can get to the summit they've always wanted to go to. Cause it looks like there's a window of opportunity when you're surfing, you're, you're constantly monitoring the tides and, and, what's coming and thank god you know i I mean before we had all this um satellite imagery we we didn't know really what was coming with all the waves are getting bigger all the waves are getting smaller yeah like we don't really know but now it's like oh my gosh i can plan oh i can semi plan what my week looks like oh yeah mike you got a good dentist appointment on thursday i'm like surf line i'm like oh god there's a new swell wednesday night it's perfect west east winds i i'm going to change my appointment mm-hmm. only if i can you know it's not to some degree you have to be responsible and do the things you need to do to take care of yourself and your mm-hmm. family and your community and stuff but man i don't know if surfers are worse than other sportsmen but we pretty much drop everything when <laughs> there's a good way there's a good swell you know and it happens a lot in Hawaii, so I don't even know how I get anything done. <laughs> you made it your job to be at the yeah. there Research you go. and development. It's if I'm surfing, it's research and development. If I'm shooting, yeah. it's documentation and you know everything in between. But don't color this painting wrong. There is so many darn nuances that like there's a lot of work. Like I can't even tell you just to be a photographer alone. So I shoot uh-huh. photos, I shoot video, I write. Um, obviously I sell a lot of the advertising and, and, and connect with a lot of good clients. Um, there's, you know, but when, when you start to break down all the logistics involved with a magazine, social media and TV company, it's like, oh, I think I have a lot of employees when I, when I'm able to afford six or eight employees, but really I need like 14. Mm -hmm. We right now we're down to about four or five employees and, you know, we're, we're just, hanging in there but it's um you know what really keeps me going is the stoke i get hey mike we love your magazine you know god keep please keep doing it you know and and of course we have a lot of good clients so we're we're managing to stay in the black but um what's next i don't know i want to go on a surf trip pretty soon but it's crazy because the surf's so darn good here but it is it's it's like a it's like a a mix between um travel lust or what are they wanderlust yeah and 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 just seeing new things and doing new adventures but man every time i come home i feel so blessed to call hawaii my home it's just Mm -hmm. 
So surfing is just like eating uh, your favorite fast food then. Because, you know, like uh, for like growing up in California most of my life, people would be like, oh, yeah, man, I miss California so much. I got to go get me a California burrito or I got to go get me the that the in and out burger or something so it's a uh, you guys get that same homesickness of these waves are great but i miss waves back home yeah <laughs> yeah I, I mean there's nothing there's no place really like hawaii that that is so consistently um on fire uh you know eight months a year maybe even nine months a year it's not always the North Shore, but I'd say six to eight months a year, the North Shore is like, you roll the dice. One week could be bad and it's good for three weeks and it's bad for two weeks and it's good for six weeks. And you just never know because the weather changes every 20 minutes. But the, the, the amount of consistent quality surfing we have here is, I mean, it's world renowned. People know Hawaii to be, you know, the epicenter of surfing. Fast food? No, it's my, it's my... It's my health food. It's my fast food. It's my candy. It's my Haagen Dazs, uh, gummy bears, whatever. It, it, surfing uh, for me, you know. I'll be honest. I, I don't. I don't. Um. You know. I'm. I'm getting a little older. And when I was 12 years old or in my 20s, you know, I used to froth all day long. Like, oh my god, I gotta like. And I do like right now. I'm frothing. I. I. I, went, you know, I was like, oh god, we got this interview or. You know, this, <laughs> like, I could feel it. Like, I'm driving home from sunset after my shoot, and I'm looking. And I'm like, oh, it is so good. It's like beautiful, like six, eight foot peaks at sunset right now, walls, and and I'm like, oh god, and the swell's coming bigger. But it's like I don't froth every day anymore. I I I do surf often, but you know, after so much experience and so much. Um, enjoyment and wiping out and, and everything that comes with it. It, it is, um, if, you, if, you, if you've never tried surfing, to really understand this conversation, you need to try it because what your body goes through on a typical, you know, high surf advisory day at Sunset Beach or Honolulu Bay or somewhere where the waves are powerful between the, the paddling's one thing, the duck diving's another thing, and the surfing's another thing. They're all different body uses and exercise, contractions and whatever. But the ragdolling, the, 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 the wiping out and the bailing your board and getting the caught inside, you can't ever explain that to somebody. It is, it is like, it's like you're throwing yourself into a river rapid that eventually slows down and stops or if it doesn't kill you and, and, and your body, you know, you think about these muscles and, 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 and skeleton system underwater, just going, you watch these wipeouts and you wonder, I, I, I still to this day, I've been documenting surfing for nearly 30 years straight. And I'm like, how do we survive these things? You know, it's, I mean, it's the everyday surfer that loves to go out on a longboard and surf beautiful little two foot waves or whatever, and have fun and smile. That's, that's, they're probably going to get sore shoulders and, and, and sore muscles, but it's, it's, it's a whole nother level when you go into, uh, I, Pancho Sullivan used to say this, a very uh, famous power surfer back in the day, waves of consequence. When you're dealing with waves of consequence, you don't have a choice where you're going to get thrown. This thing is, you know, and, and depending on where your body is and what's going on underwater and you, you, you never know when the end game is coming, you know, whether it's 10 seconds of being 
ragdolled or 20 seconds of being ragdolled. And, 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 um, when, when you get to a certain age, um, you know, your, uh, recovery time is different. Your flexibility is different. I mean, I'm fighting tooth and nail to continue to do what I love and that's why I do it. I, I, I've never been too partial about, Oh, how I look. I mean, you know, I did print my hair a little bit today, but <laughs> I'm just, um, you know, like it's how I feel and, and surfing makes me feel incredible. And I'm, you know, working out twice a week. I'm going to yoga. I'm trying to watch my diet, except when, you know, ice cream's on sale at food land. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I balance it out and, and, and I, I just really enjoy surfing with my friends. Like I'm still riding a, a, a small board. I'm still trying to do progressive turns. I, in fact, um, I'm going to be pursuing a master's event coming up soon because I, I won the world title in 2013, the ISA masters at Ecuador. I was surfing with Kalani Rob and, and, and Sonny Garcia and Love Hotel and Ruben Balmores and Michelle Ballard. We all traveled as a team for Hawaii. Anyway, Hawaii is currently the world champion surf team for the ISA and me and Sonny both won, um, world titles in our division in that event we had different divisions and so they haven't had an event in seven years and i just heard oh they might have it in panama this year in july so i'm like i gotta stop buying ice cream (laughs) (laughs) well that's that's a really good reason to start following your diet instead of watching it go away. (laughs) Right? i dig that yeah and then that would answer your wish of having your your surf trip yeah. Well, now surf trips are part of my foundation. Like one of the reasons I think I really love my job is the adventure. You know, um, talking to different athletes that are super stoked and hearing their story and reflecting their story and showing people the beauty of the ocean and the beauty of waves and surfing. And I, I mean, I, I'm going to go into a, a analogy in a second, but like showing people these things is, is definitely part of it, but it's also a little selfish because I'm like, Oh yeah, let's do a project this year in Tahiti, you know? Uh, Okay. I'll film, I'll write, I'll, I'll, I'll organize. And yeah, I'm going to take some time and go surfing myself. So, you know, it keeps me, um, it keeps me, uh, on the adventure. And I think that's, that's really important. Go ahead. I said, there's nothing wrong with that, though. Mixing a little business with pleasure. Isn't that how it should be? Yeah. I think when people stop pursuing pleasure and stop doing the work to be at a place of um, prime, you know, like, you know, I got a lot of friends my age. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm just done, man. My back is done. My, my knees are done. Da, 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 da. And and I'm like, you know, my, like, Mike, you know, F you. Like, how do you do it? Like, why are you still riding a shortboard and it's like well it didn't happen naturally i've been working at this since my 30s you know i it's consistency and a little luck and yeah some dna for sure but it's like you get out of life what you put in and you know it it doesn't happen overnight so these things you want to do in your personal legend of a plan you need to structure some kind of strategy that works you know balance it out with your work and your family and and all that other stuff but it's like yeah i'm I'm pretty adamant about my twice a week workout and and my flexibility 
not that I, I'm no gymnast. I'm no dancer. Trust me. You should see me. Don't actually don't see me dance, but it's, it's, um, when it comes to surfing, it, it is that that's my place. You know, that's, that's what I'm good at. So I like to do that. Dig it. Well, <laughs> so in these trying times from a man like yourself, could I get some advice to the world for our listeners, surfers, non-surfers alike? How do we uh, face these uncertain times with the best stoke possible? You know, this is a great subject because I was really, um, I was pretty high on life a couple of days ago and I posted something reminding people like, hey, are you living your personal legend? Are you doing what you love? Um, because you don't have to do it every day. You don't even have to do it more than a few times a week. I, I think I think that um, no matter what, People in power, governments, financial systems, they're, they're on this path that's, I, I don't want to say no one can control it, but it's far from anyone's individual control. I mean, there's stuff you can do like, hey, you don't like plastic on the streets? Okay, stop buying it, you know, that kind of thing. But ultimately, the complexity of our world and the complexity of humans who are running the world it's it's almost impossible to conjure a, a a solution in one formal sentence, but when you think about um, so this is going to sound hippie or whatever, but perpetuating Stoke for yourself um, is important, and recognizing things in your life that bring you joy, whether it's knitting or playing guitar or or you know. I, I don't know, uh, working out, you know, uh, um, building things, whatever, like, oh, this is my hobby. I love to do this. And so, well, you have to work an eight hour day and it takes you two hours to commute. And then you got to deal with uh, taking care of your kids or doing your homework or whatever it is. Like there's other things to do, but you really have to have the discipline to formulate your plan so that you can attend to your passions because if you make yourself happy and, you know, yeah, other people can make you happy and you can find happiness and love. And, but really, if, if you find things in life that bring you joy, for me, it's surfing, playing at the beach, hearing the ocean, little things about my existence. Um, then if you can do that several times a week or several times a day or whatever it is, as long as you're getting some and deal with the other things in life. Life, life's not easy. Life's got toil. Life's got challenges. Freaking approach it with, at least give it respect and consideration, and try to do your job good. Whether you're making twelve bucks an hour or three hundred bucks an hour, you should be striving to do good by your people, by your community. And so you take this thing that, like, oh yeah, I went and played basketball with my friends, and they come out of it, and they're all sweaty and stoked, and they're high fiving and Hopefully later on, the, 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 the people are bringing that good energy to their friends and neighbors, wherever they are, or the waitress or the taxi driver or whatever. And surfing, you know, it's like you get a good ride. You come out with a smile. I don't care if you're a brawler or, or, or a, 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 a sunflower dude. Like if, if you're a human being and you have this exhilarating moment and you come out, you can't help but smile. So you're smiling. The person next to you is smiling. You, you get, I, I come out of the water most days, most days, even when I have a bad session, I, at least I got my exercise. I got my salt water. 
you know, there's something naturally abundant about all that. But um, the, the, the stoke, like after a really good session, I'll be like, I'll be like talking to people going, you know, oh, you're bummed. I'm like, yeah, you know, you try to, I'm trying to help people because I'm stoked. Yeah. So you get your place, you, you, you find your passion, you enjoy your passion and you bring the resonance of that passion. They, they don't have to serve. People don't have to serve to know happiness. People just like happy people can help other people be happy with like this osmosis of happiness. So positivity, happiness, consideration, respect, the world is losing some sight on that. And so my advice is just remember what it is for you and remember to pass it forward. Even if it's just how happy you are. Yeah, I didn't give anybody any money. I didn't cook anybody's food. I wasn't helping in a bread line, whatever. I mean, that community stuff's great, but ultimately a good sense of self projected to other people can maybe give them a good sense of health. And this is where it exponentially spreads. And that's not a religion. That's just a, a human observation. Mm-hmm. Right. Amen to that. Gotta spread the good things and make them contagious. Dig it. Uh-huh. I love that. Well, very thankful for your message today, sir. Yeah. And uh, absolutely honored to have you in our presence um, but I think I can smell that chicken dinner from all the way over here and it's out there calling your name, Mike, Mike. Well, sir, thank you again. Absolutely. Uh, for those of you listening out there and playing the home game, Mike Latronic at free surf mag, check out free surf mag, get yourself a subscription at Mike Latronic on Instagram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's give a little push oh, of that. So cool. The newer magazines now right here where it says free in Hawaii, we're actually putting a QR code. So on the, all the new magazines, it's a QR code to subscribe. Oh, Dig that's so cool. Making it easy. It's we're trying to be modern. Yeah, yeah, but I just I dig the little touch of analog. We need that, especially you know at home in Hawaii. Like we're, we're analog people. We like that. It's it's part of yeah. the texture of life. You know, if you're not outside kicking rocks and 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 dealing with bark every now and then, you're missing out on something very very human and. Being able to touch and feel your media at, at times, like, yeah, I know there's naysayers. Like, I'll be the first to admit I'm on my phone more than I'm reading books. That's how things have evolved. Yeah. Um, however, after an hour, I'm feeling that vibration in my hand. I'm like, oh, my God, I need to put my phone down. I don't know if the newer generation understands this mechanism and, and they overdo it. You hear about these kids that – that sit in front of the TV so long playing playing their video games that when they stand up, they give themselves strokes and they're only 22 years old or something like that. And, you know, these guys, game, these gamers that are like, you know, eight hours straight, it's unhealthy. So all I can, all I can say for myself is I try to have balance. I, 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 I would ever roam around Instagram and check stuff out on the web and, you know, Trevor Noah's super funny on YouTube, whatever. And, you know, this and that. And it's like, Oh my God, I guess I'm dealing with the modern age, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, I need to go pull weeds today. I just need it. I, I need it for. Yeah. It's good to recognize that though. Cause I don't think a lot of people can recognize like, Ooh, I'm getting a little bit too much and I can actually feel it being that intuitive. I think definitely probably plays a part that you spent so much time in nature where you can like decipher, Oh wait, 
I'm not feeling like me right now because I'm not getting that, I don't know, stuckness, huh? Yeah, and I implore people, whether it's a basketball game or or getting together with the girls for a walk or whatever it is, like put your phones away for at least that time where you're interacting. And let's not forget we are tribal. We're we're not the tribe does not exist in the internet. What what the tribe communication exists in the internet, but we're humans. We need each other. We're we're, we're you know, and, and I, I hope people can um uh, stay stoked, get stoked, stay stoked, be stoked, and share that stoke. That's that's all I'm trying to do. That's great. I'm stoked to all that. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Mike. We'll try to spread the message for you, too. Great session. But yeah. I want you to go out there and enjoy that surf for us while we finish our podcast here. And, man, just have a rad time. Thank yeah. you, Mike. Aloha. Aloha. All right, Sarah. Well, that was a good time, wasn't it? That was great. Oh, my God. Anything left to say to our audience before we dig out? You know what? I just think that was just everything he had to say just really, I don't know, just resonated. And I'm feeling more stoked from his stokeness. So I definitely think that it's been a, it's been a good show. Our listeners feel that energy, too. Dig it. This is, it was almost like uh, what it's like to feel like going to church for positive reasons. I could get behind that. If I went to the church of surfing, I'd be a churchy person. Positivity coach. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. A stoke coach. Stoke coach. Right. Right? That was good. Thanks again, folks, for listening to another amazing week. And we hope to see you next week again with our next special guest, Sarah. Say goodbye to lovely people out there. Bye, everybody. Go hop along. Aloha, everyone. Stay stoked. <gasps> Rabbit Holes is a Manavakau production. This episode was produced by Kavika Hoke and Sarah Rodriguez. Make sure to subscribe and follow on your favorite podcast platforms to add our weekly episodes to your queue.